The only purpose of the Talking Space podcast is to educate and to inform. The views expressed in this program are the opinions, experiences, and conclusions of the guests. They do not represent the official policy or position of the Space Tweep Society as a whole, NASA, any other space agency, company, contractor, or affiliate. We choose to go to the moon. to another episode of the Talking Space Podcast. This is Talking Space, episode 314, for the week of April 17th, 2011. I'm Sawyer Rosenstein, and joining me tonight is Gene McCulka. Welcome, Gene. Good evening, Sawyer. Uh, glad to be here. Glad to have you with us. Welcome as well, Mark Ratterman. Hate to be repetitive, but uh, hello, and it's good to be here, too. <laughs> <laughs> And also joining us tonight from Parsec.com is Elizabeth Howell. Welcome. Hello there. I'm actually uh, sitting in Grand Forks, North Dakota tonight. Uh, usually I'm in Ottawa, but uh, I'm just visiting my the place where I take uh, the, uh, a uh, space studies degree at the University of uh, North Dakota. Good to talk to you. Great to have you with us. So... Today, we are going to talk about a very important decision that was made on April 12, 2011, and was briefly discussed on our previous podcast. And that would be the placement of these space shuttles as they are slowly retired towards the end of this year. Now, the final decision was made by Charlie Bolden and was announced at a meeting on April 12th. And upon that meeting, he announced where the space shuttles would be going, and that would be that the space shuttle Atlantis would be going to the Kennedy Space Center. The Space Shuttle Endeavor would be going to the California Science Center located in Los Angeles. Discovery would be going to the Smithsonian Museum, which it will be at the Udvar-Hazy part of the museum, which is actually in Virginia. And Enterprise is going to the Intrepid Sea, Air, and Space Museum in New York City. Now, there's a lot of fallout from this, so where do we begin? (laughs) <laughs> That's very true. Where do you begin? Gee, there's there's one uh, one one group over there that kind of got felt like they got left out there, and that's the folks over the Johnson Space Flight Center. The odd thing is that they are also going to be surrendering, if I remember exactly, most of their simulators. So none of the simulators that are currently right now at the training center are going to be staying at the Johnson Space Flight Center. They're going to be going, you know, hither, thither, and yon elsewhere. Um, and the only thing that the Johnson Space Flight Center is going to be getting is a set of flown seats. Now, um, I kind of put on an essay on our website, you know, reading that, first first hearing that, I kind of felt like uh, you know, the, the infamous old Charlie Brown Peanuts character uh, – who is going through their, you know, the Halloween, you know, if everybody's seen the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, um, you know, the folks going through their Easter, you know, I mean Easter, their uh, their Halloween candy, saying, hey, I got a, you know, this, I got that, and Charlie Brown going into his uh, thing, saying, I got a rock. 
And that's kind of sort of the way uh, the uh, folks over in Houston feel. They feel like, well, they got a rock. Um, Sawyer, you and I uh, sat in on the um, post, uh, post-announcement press conference with uh, Olga Dominguez, who was the uh, NASA official in charge of making this particular decision. And I th- that, was a, that was a fascinating call um, in, in that she uh, basically went over her processes. One of the, uh, I believe, one of the uh, the press individuals from from Houston asked. Uh, yeah, just wondering. You know, obviously, it's emotional for the city of Houston. What do you say to Houston? Um, obviously, we have the history. We're the fourth largest city in the nation. We have a great international airport. Um, we have a pretty diverse community. I don't know where we failed. And uh, Ms. Dominguez said. Um, Houston did not in any way, shape, or form fail. Um, it has always been a critical piece of NASA's shuttle and space program. We just did not have enough to go around. And Houston and the JSC will always be a critical piece of NASA's space program and of our future. Which I thought was a very, you know, very good answer to the whole thing. Um, but she stressed that the seats were, you know, of significance and, and of some sort of stature and and that uh, these are significant artifacts to give away. And so it's it's really, really the whole the whole thing has really caused such a such a backlash. I believe also that there's some politicos in the the Houston area that have actually uh, put forth legislation that's sitting over um Right now at the U.S. House of Representatives to block this whole thing and to essentially try to steal Enterprise away from New York and send uh, Enterprise over to uh, uh, to California and uh, send in, uh, the shuttle Endeavor to the Johnson Space Flight Center. So do I think that that's going to go anywhere? Probably not. Um, but uh, it's it's just an interesting um Interesting way this whole whole thing went down. First off, I was shocked that New York got something, that we even got Enterprise. So, and, and there's been a lot of fallout about that here too. We'll talk about that later. But um, I'll get off my soapbox for a little bit and let somebody else give a, give this a shot here. Yeah, I'll throw in a quick comment uh, in talking about the Johnson Space Center getting the flight deck pilot and commander seats and uh, not being real happy with that. If they don't want them. I'll take them. Yeah, really. <laughs> I was in a museum one time and I saw an authentic World War II Jeep and a teletype and a typewriter and a desk that some GI sat at in World War II. And I thought that was pretty neat to see the authentic, the real hardware. I probably talked about this before on uh, Talking Space, so sorry if I'm repeating myself for frequent listeners, but we had Apollo 7 up in uh, in Ottawa, where I'm from, for 30 years under a loan agreement from the Smithsonian. And, I mean, you could have made the argument that it wasn't a, uh, a proper moonship. It had never orbited the moon like Apollo 8 or any of those later ones. But uh, still, you know, as a teenager, as a young kid growing up in, uh, in Ottawa, it was quite inspiring to see that. And also they had uh, Wally Shiraz's suit and a couple of other small pieces of hardware that had flown in space. So even a small piece of uh, space can still be neat for a kid. You know, just speaking from uh, from personal experience. Although, of course, I can understand that with uh, a shuttle, you know, it's all that more prestigious a prize to have. 
Yeah, the the interesting thing uh, that that I saw was like, you know, why didn't Houston get a shuttle? Um, and none other than uh, Wayne Hale posted on his particular blog that uh, why he thought Houston get, didn't get a shuttle is because in, in his eyes, I think he felt that the Houston area felt like they were entitled, that they didn't work for it, that they you know deserved it, and you know that's 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 the end of that. Um, the campaign uh, Sawyer shuttle to New York. I still have the button you gave me, like like two years, you know, from from you know about a year ago, and uh, it, you know the, the folks over in New York wanted a shuttle here. They that campaign I think started about what two years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yeah. So um, the New York area really really said we want one of these things here. And they put on a, a, a real, you know, saying, you know, the petition campaign, the whole, the whole nine yards, the the Houston petition campaign, I think, was a little too little too late. Um, I mean, the other observation was that uh, uh, that Mr. Hale made in his uh, his writing was, you know, when was the last time a sitting governor came to the uh, Johnson Space Flight Center? He said, I'll tell you, it was Ann Richards back in 1995. Uh, when was the last time that a uh, mayor from Houston came to visit the Johnson Space Flight Center? He doesn't remember. And Mr. Hale spent most of his career at, at, at the Johnson Space Flight Center. And if he doesn't remember, that's, that's going quite a while. Um, so is it, is it because Houston took – is it because Houston takes the Johnson Space Flight Center for granted that, uh, that they didn't get one? Or is it something else? I think it's also something else, but and we'll we'll throw that out there too, because there was another essay written by another um, uh, an in- individual that actually works at the Johnson Space Flight Center and trains the astronauts. I just read that one this morning. But what do you guys think? I was just wondering if if you guys thought the same thing that that maybe you know Houston felt entitled. Well, they they could definitely say that they felt entitled, and uh, do they deserve one? Yes. But at the same time, there was a set list of criteria, and they created the criteria, and they went and visited each location. They tested it. They judged each location based on that criteria, and they laid it out. And basically, when you lay it out, you look at, okay, which ones fit the criteria and which ones fit it the best. You put them in order, and you distribute the shuttles in that way. And it... Houston is very qualified, I believe. They meet all the requirements. I'm not saying in the least that they don't deserve one. I'm just saying that when it came to meeting the requirements that was announced by Ms. Dominguez, it didn't – it wasn't the top of the list. Okay. Um, I'm going to take a case in point, and this was something, too, that uh, I believe uh, uh, Mike or, – or, or Mike Garbos, who is the, the author of that uh, – um, that article in the Houston Chronicle, and he, he brought up a couple of good points. And you know, I was thinking along the along the same lines this week. I was talking to some folks about it at work. And now, now, Mark, you you you've been to the Kennedy Space Center, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay, you've seen the Saturn V exhibit over there. It is gorgeous. Absolutely. It is, it is well documented. Mm-hmm. You have a limb hanging from you know hanging from the ceiling. Uh, you know, a, a blasted limb. You have um, the Apollo 14 spacecraft, the command module, sitting 
sitting also in its own little little uh, alcove over there. You have a beautiful, you know, obviously a, a you know a, a, a tourist trap style um, <laughs> souvenir shop with with a cafeteria and all that. But you've got some really good good artifacts from the Apollo era. You have the the old Astro van from the Apollo era. You've got all of that stuff in there. And plus, then you've got the Saturn V, which is sort of hanging above you, you know, in that, uh, you know, is being displayed above you. And it's just incredible. Now, Liz, when we were off offline preparing for the show, you said you've been over to the Johnson Space Flight Center. So have I, right? Uh, no, in my case, I've not. I, all I've seen is KSC. Okay. Uh, hey, Liz, you've been to the, uh, the Johnson Space Center, correct? Yes, I was there about two years ago. Okay, now if you if you and you've also been to the K, to the KSC display for the Saturn V, correct? Yes, a couple times. Right. Now, forgive me if I'm wrong. The Saturn V, you know, and I'm not saying anything against uh, Space Center Houston. They did what they could with you know the funds they had available at the time. But if you look at where the Saturn V is, it looks uh, over over in Houston. It's a tool shed. Am I right? I mean, compared to to the to, to, to KSC. Well, it's good that it's not outside. It used yeah. to be outside. Um, in fact, if I may just distract you for a second, you do know that the police actually did a um, a video walking on the moon. This is years and years and years ago. I'm talking about the band, the police, where they were drumming on the uh, the Saturn V and stuff outside. You may have to run it out on YouTube because it's quite funny to watch. But anyway. Oh, At least it's not outside. We'll give them that. Yeah, true story. Just put it on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> the police walking on the moon video, and you'll and you'll see them all dancing around the Saturn V and drumming on it and stuff. So uh, oh, anyway, it used to be outside, but now it's inside a shelter, which is uh, better than it was. But uh, it doesn't have quite all the uh, the bells and whistles that the KSC one does. That's uh, that's true. Yeah, I mean, it, it does have some 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 interpretation in there. There are some placards in there. But it's not as you know. I dare say it's not as as it doesn't look as as well presented as the one over at the Kennedy Space Center does. So when you're kind of sort of saying we want to entrust one of these vehicles to somebody, um, who are you going to give the vehicle to? You're going to give it to somebody that that's going to put it in. Um, in, in this beautiful facility, or are you going to give it to somebody who might stick it into a tool shed? And again, nothing against Space Center Houston. They did what they could with the funds they had. And again, it's inside. Just for the record, too, the one over at KSC used to be outdoors, too. It used to be sitting uh, right by the uh, vehicle assembly building. Um, and there, and, and, and true story, uh, I, uh, an acquaintance uh, of mine when he was there had said that uh, um, he actually saw a piece of this thing just fall off and gave, he gave it, he turned it over to security and said, look, you know, you want to take better care of this. And uh, I guess they did what they, what, what they, what they needed to do and they put the piece back. But uh, I mean, he could have easily walked off with that if he wanted to. And that's, it, it was sad to see these things outside, but um you know, again, that that falls into the the whole thing. That you know, what are you going to do? You're going to give it to some, give this rel, this this artifact from from spaceflight to somebody that's going to take really good care of it, or you're going to give it to somebody that may consider it to be an afterthought. Which, by the way, while we're discussing a little bit about you know 
the placement of the shuttles and everything, when it came to the Kennedy Space Center, I actually uh, asked them for a comment, and I received one from the Kennedy Space Center, and uh, they're talking about building a $100 million exhibit for Atlantis, which will be indoors. It'll be a 10-year plan, and uh, it'll be 65,000 square feet. And uh, on announcement of receiving the shuttle, Bill Moore, who's the chief operating officer of the Kennedy Space Center Visitors Complex, said that this is a proud moment for space shuttle workers for Bard County in Florida. We are honored to be entrusted with Space Shuttle Atlantis to preserve this remarkable national treasure and share the space shuttle story with millions of visitors from around the world. The key thing there is preserve this remarkable national treasure. And that's something that you can't guarantee that Houston will be able to do with it from what we could tell with the Saturn Fives. You know, and Mark, not to, not, not to change the topic a little bit, but Mark, you, you, when we were talking about this before, you'd made the comment that you felt that, that these things should go to places where the most individuals could see them. You know where where the you know where they would be displayed in an area that had had the access to where uh, you know the, the the most amount of people could go over and appreciate them. If if I'm correct on that. Yeah, absolutely. I I think it's important for the not just the the United States space program, but for the space effort of the planet to get the most bang for the buck possible. And that means to me putting it where in places where people are going to see it. KSC is an excellent choice. You've got the draw. And I read this in an article that I can't lay hands on right now. But, uh, you know, KSC has the draw from people that go to all the attractions and parks in Central Florida. Disney, Universal, Bush Gardens, Wet and Wild, whatever. So a lot of people are likely to take a trip over to KSC and do. And what I read in an article, they mentioned that uh, they're anticipating having a 10 to 15 percent increase in visitors to the KSC Visitor Center, and also that they anticipate that it will become more than just a day trip from the attractions in Central Florida, that there will be people coming over and spending a couple of days seeing what's there. And I think that that should be the, the gold standard of what anybody would hope to accomplish. And... Uh, I'm not familiar with the facility in Los Angeles, but I did take a glance at their website, and it looks like it'd be a great choice for visitors coming from overseas across the Pacific that would be coming to L.A. and Hollywood and, and seeing things there. Again, I think it's a great choice for the number of people that are going to get to see them and be inspired. Do you think then um, that was a factor? Because if Sorry if I recall – um, that was the main thrust for the decision uh, that uh, Ms. Olga Dominguez from NASA was saying that uh, a popula- you know, not only you know, regional population centers, but international access was also a factor in this. Yes, and that was the part that surprised me and a lot of people as well. Well, it, it it wouldn't so much, you know, saying that you'd, you'd probably want to put this in, in an area where um, it had a lot of international exposure as well as national exposure. So, you know, obviously New York would be a, you know, a grand choice for an orbiter. Um, you know, ditto with, with the Kennedy Space Center and uh, ditto with, with uh, 
um, the uh, Udvar-Hazy Center over in uh, uh, over in D.C. and California. Now, you know, with all due respect for Houston, I mean, it, it is a good you know vacation spot, but it is not the title vacation spot if you compare it to. You know, uh, Orlando or or Los Angeles or or, or New York. Uh, with all due respect, uh, it, so you know, do you really think that kind of had a had a good you know had a good play on it? Do you think that that was really that that part of it was achieved? Is I guess is what I'm trying to say that the maximum exposure in this case was achieved on this. Seems that way, but just as another question, uh, is any of this likely to change? No, um, I know that uh, there's some legislation uh, put forward uh, by the folks over in in Houston, um, and for them to you know to go ahead and reverse the decision, it would mean okay, NASA, you could do whatever you want, but we could go ahead and reverse gears whenever we want. So, you know, we're we're not going to allow you to make make you know decisions regarding your your relics anymore. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I I don't think it's going to change. I, By the really way, don't. if I could just say that uh, along the lines of the decision with the international aspect, uh, we received an email on our email address, which is mailbag at talkingspaceonline.com, from James Cook. And uh, in the email, he mentioned that, uh, quote, I was kind of shocked to hear that accessibility to both domestic and international visitors was one of the criteria considered in evaluating possible sites for the shuttles. So um, he mentioned that, and uh, he said, the orbiters should always belong to the American people, and whether their location is convenient to international visitors is utterly irrelevant. So uh, what do you think of that? I can't say I agree. Uh, You know, Admittedly, these are our, our vehicles, and we want to showcase them in areas that are accessible. But I think again, these are these are the, where the where the orbiters are going to be ending up are going to be destination spots, regardless. I mean, everybody goes to the everybody goes to Orlando, and just like maybe an hour away is is the Kennedy Space Center, so it'd be more of a draw now with an orbiter there. Um, I, I I can't agree with that. In all honesty, you want to go ahead and be able to to show off. You know your old hardware, and with all due respect too, as and Liz, you pointed this out, I guess a couple of weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Enterprise has already been on tours uh, once or twice, so and it, it, it's 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 made a multi-country tour. So to say that we don't, you know, to say that these things shouldn't really factor in, I, I don't know. I have I have my doubts. But he also did include an interesting quote in an email that he thought was very offensive and revealing, which I agree, it is quite offensive, and I disagree with it, from New York Senator Charles Schumer, who said... When people all around the world, in London, and Tokyo, and Paris, and Buenos Aires say, gee, I can't wait for my trip to Houston, then you can have a shuttle. Until then, it's staying in New York. Oh, ouch. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man, I just... I, I... Which, thank you for even, providing us with that quote, but it, <laughs> I utterly disagree with him on that as well. Yeah, I don't know. I have a – I mean, I, I don't want to go po- politics on here, but you know, Charles Schumer never met a camera he didn't like, especially on a Sunday, as you pointed out, Sawyer, earlier. <laughs> and um, I don't know. That just – that hurts. 
and and that's I don't know I I can't condone that that would that was ouch I mean please that was sort of like pouring salt in the wound yeah and yet on our Facebook page Scott Orshin who went onto our Facebook page which is facebook.com slash talking space he left us a comment saying that quote I'm very pleased that New York is getting a shuttle I can also see that Seattle would have been a worthy choice. I think it came down to where the most people will get a chance to learn from it. And New York is a major destination for U.S. as well as foreign tourists. Yeah, I mean, you can't argue with that. You can't argue with that kind of logic. You want to make sure that you know these wonderful vehicles can be appreciated by as many pe- many people as possible. And I think that was the driving force in the decision. Uh, what what mystified me, and, and, and hearing Chuck Schumer's remarks, what really, really mystified me was the day that the announcement was made, there were two articles. One I recall call from uh, w, WNBC Television, Channel 4 here in, in, in the New York area, uh, on their website. First, the good news, they said, that New York is getting an orbiter. The bad news, it's one that never flew. So that was like, wait a minute, you know, come on, guys. Enterprise was critical in the in, in the beginning of the shuttle. You're not. You know, I heard on Twitter, right and left, oh, you know, we're getting the fake shuttle. We're getting the fake shuttle. There was even an article, oh, uh, in the uh, uh, New York Daily News, uh, complaining that we were getting getting a fake shuttle. The who was? Uh, I'm I'm trying to remember the the author's name on that article. Sawyer, give give me a moment here. I because... am trying to find it as well because I am utterly disappointed with the New York Daily News on that post. Okay, here it is. Uh, Joanna Malloy. Um, she was just absolutely torqued off that New that New York was receiving Enterprise, uh, referring to the first orbiter, the prototype that all of the other orbiters were were patterned against, saying that. Um, you know, she said, quote, on behalf of New York, I feel like Johnny Depp at, at the Oscars. We totally deserved the big prize but didn't get it. The only place Enterprise shuttled between was L.A. and San Bernardino after its first 1977 launch, which it really never launched, in front in front of the Star Trek cast. Um, so, you know, and, and then she goes on to say um, – I don't know. Maybe we should be all grateful that we got a pretend shuttle, but generally, fake is not good. Just ask Harry, who has a Sally, or the Iowa and, and Iowa ladies whose coach bags fall apart part a month after they buy buy them on Canal Street. You know, I mean, equating Enterprise with with you know a you know a, a, a fake Gucci bag or something like that. I mean, please. I mean, that was that was just. It just goes to show where the mentality was, and somebody who hasn't really, really researched how critical Enterprise was to the shuttle program. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems that she's uh, she's forgotten about or didn't know about that world tour that it did. Yeah, exactly. It's rather interesting because that was considered a very big deal at the time, and uh, you know, um, I'm being very centered to Ottawa tonight, and I apologize for that, but it did make it to Ottawa, but it also made it to several of the other United States. I think it made it overseas for that as well, although I'd have to check that out. But uh, in any case, it traveled, you know? Yes. Go ahead, Mark. I'm sorry. I I just want to mention how little OV-101 Enterprise did. Let's talk to the astronauts. Fred Hayes, Gordon Fullerton, Mm -hmm. Joe Engel, Dick Truly. They took turns flying the 150,000-pound spacecraft to free flight landings. 
they had a, uh, a test program, an approach and landing test program. It involved ground tests, flight tests, taxi tests, mounted on board the 747 carrier aircraft. They have five captive flight tests of the Enterprise on board the SCA. They had three manned captive flight tests that followed the five captive tests that included an astronaut crew on board. They, and they had five free flight tests where they drop tested the shuttle and flew it to landing. And uh, I would say Enterprise flew. Exactly. Well, not only that, it was critical to uh, for, for testing the integration procedures over at uh, the Kennedy Space Center as the shuttle program was coming online. It was the, the test orbiter for, for Vandenberg Air Force Base when we were considering flying the orbiters out of Vandenberg. And it had a role in the investigations of the loss of uh, Challenger and Columbia. So, you know, this this orbiter has contributed tremendously to the program. Well, they, they even did tests at Marshall Space Flight Center where it was mated with an external tank, SRBs, and subjected to vertical ground vibration tests. These verified the configuration and the construction and the dynamic response of the shuttle to, you know, flight-type loads. So, you know, it, it even was in a a simulated launch environment with the ground vibration testing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this orbiter contributed to the success of the program. And if you don't think it's a real orbiter, then shoot, again, I know a bunch of folks over Clear Lake in, in Texas that would love to take her off, off your hands there in New York if you don't want her. Um, let's just hope that legislation, you know, does not have free will and we and, and we lose it. Um it's it i mean i i'm still scratching my head over the whole thing honestly i'm just as confused and uh i mean people are passionate about it there are those that really do say that houston should have gotten one and you know i can understand some of their frustrations for example on our twitter page twitter.com slash talking space aries 419 said that uh nasa headquarters discussed the johnson space center its workers its astronauts families Columbia Challenger families and everyone who devoted their lives and careers to the space transportation system. Shuttle was designed, developed, operated, and supported in Houston. Crews are from Houston. Family sacrificed. A slap in our faces is what they said. And I can understand where they're coming from, though. It's It was a tough decision, and they, like they said, they wish they had more shuttles to actually give out. <laughs> Yeah, I and I can understand the frustration. I can understand the the heartbreak, and the the shuttle program was essentially you know born there. The the, the astronauts are trained there. They they live around the area. You know, it 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 really does hurt. But at the same time, too, maybe maybe the folks over over there, some of them anyway, were taking taking the whole thing for granted, and maybe this is a wake up call. Maybe they'll stop taking the Johnson Space Flight Center for granted out there and and really give it the, the, the real attention it, it deserves. And maybe next time when there, there's something like this, they will not be left out. If it were up to you, where would you guys put the shuttle? Like if you had the tough oh decision boy. that Charlie Bolden If it were up had. to me? Yeah, if it were up to me, wow. Um, let me preface this by saying I didn't – I didn't give the New York metro area a chance. Uh, I all I always thought that 
the um, the shuttles were going to go um, in areas that were of some historical significance. I th- and I said this, uh, I guess, about two weeks ago. I thought uh, the Kennedy Space Center and the uh, National Air and Space Museum were slam dunks. I thought they were definitely going to get one. And uh, sure enough, that happened. Um, where did I think the other orbiter was going to go? I thought for sure Enterprise was going to end up uh, out on the West Coast. I thought Enterprise was going to be going to California or Seattle uh, because of her significance to that area. She, uh, a lot of the drop, all the drop tests, all the landing tests that, that Mark had mentioned occurred at Edwards Air Force Base. Uh, so I thought for sure that that enterprise would be going going back home to 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 where she a lot of her history played out. Um, I thought because of the involvement of the Challenger and Columbia families, even though it was was a little late, I thought for sure you know Endeavor was going to end up or one of the orbiters was going to end up. Um, at the Johnson Space Flight Center, I really, honest to God, did, because again of its historical significance. But um, that—that's—that's that's the way I thought it was. Thought it was going to play out. Oh, that's the way I thought it should play out. Whether it was going to play out that way, you know, who knows? But it, as 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 things were right, I I was uh, uh, three for four. <laughs> what do you guys think about the? Air Force Museum in Ohio because in the meantime they will still be getting a nose cap assembly and a crew compartment trainer but what would you think of Ohio? Oh boy. I'm going to get a lot of hot water um, for right, this, this one. This is all personal opinion. This is all our own <laughs> opinion. I am going get to get a lot of hot water for this one. Um, uh, the as, as much as um, I would probably say that, you know, Ohio out there, they do have the Glenn Research Center and so on. Um, but if you're going to go by historical significance, uh, you know, JSC would have won hands down. Because not all of the centers are going away empty handed, uh, the people that applied at least. Because here's the layout of all of the other locations that applied of just some of the things that they'll be getting. Various shuttle simulators will be going to the Adler Planetarium of Chicago, the Evergreen Aviation and Space Museum of Oregon, and Texas A&M's Aerospace Engineering Department. A full fuselage trainer will be going to the Museum of Flight in Seattle. We mentioned the nose cap and the crew compartment trainer going to the Air Force Museum in Ohio. We also mentioned the flight deck pilot and commander seats going to Johnson Space Center. And some OMS engines, which are orbital maneuvering system engines, will be going to the U.S. Space Rocket Center in Huntsville, Alabama, and the National Air and Space Museum in Washington, as well as the Evergreen Aviation and Space Museum in Oregon. Dumb question about the Ohms engines, Sawyer. Are these going to be the, the the sort of like the the the, the mock-up or the uh, you know repaired Ohms engines? Because I thought I remember hearing John Shannon too say that. They considered those sort of assets as well, and they weren't exactly ready to give up on them. It does not state. This is okay. a NASA press release, which I am reading. It does not state. 
Okay. Uh, you know, the, the funny thing is, though, if you look at that list, none of the, the simulators over in Houston are staying. They're all going elsewhere. Which, did they give up the simulators before they even knew about if whether they were going to get a shuttle or not? Did they give them up, or do they still have a chance to keep them now? I don't know. I mean, it, uh, the, uh, to me, the decisions have been made. Uh, it's... I mean, it, it it bums me out that that we're not gonna <laughs> none of their simulators are staying. I mean, it's sort of pouring salt into the wound. Yeah, I would have at least liked to have seen them keep a simulator or something other than flown seats, which probably yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you're you're well, you're going you're going to see uh, them displayed and displayed proudly, no doubt, but. Um, it's just it, it boggles my mind that not even a simulator is staying. Speaking of which, um, Liz, there was a story um, this week about Canada wanting Canada Arm One, the one that uh, is uh, now inside Endeavor, waiting uh, to uh, to go back into action. Yeah, it was a report out of the uh, the Canadian press. There's a particular reporter there. It's really really good about uh, keeping on top of space. And uh, apparently the Canadian Space Agency is looking to get the, uh, that robotic arm returned um, after Space Shuttle Endeavour flies uh, the, the arm for the final time later this month. So uh, NASA actually received five of these Canada arms, and uh, one was lost in the Space Shuttle Challenger disaster. But uh, there still are four others that are sort of up for grabs. So I guess now the question is which cities will get them. Oh boy, here we go. And here we go again. <laughs> Uh, where, where do where do you think is gonna where do you think the, these uh, uh, the robotic arms are gonna wind up? Well, uh, I think that like with uh, the shuttles, for the most part, um, the Canadians are gonna kind of just try to distribute them to the spots where they actually were made. Now, the interesting thing about the Canada Arm is uh, it was actually created by a company called Spar Aerospace, which no longer exists. Uh, that company was taken over by the current McDonnell, Detweiler & Associates, which is uh, based in, uh, I believe it's Vancouver. But um, Spar was actually based in Edmonton, and uh, MDA also has offices in Toronto. I'm actually not sure if, if the robotics office is over there or in uh, in Vancouver. I would have to get that checked out. But anyway, that means that, um, you know, when you look at the history alone, that means that it could be in one of three different cities, you know, not to mention that uh, there could be other... Uh, aerospace heavy markets as well. Um, Ottawa has a healthy share of aerospace markets uh, and robotics to do. And uh, the East Coast, I can't really see so much happening, but uh, it's quite possible that there could be another city or two that's interested in having it, if only for the geographic distribution, because like the United States, Canada is a gigantic country, and uh, they probably would want to get these arms uh, as widely distributed as possible. Now, all that said, I think a shoe-in would be the, uh, the Canadian Space Agency headquarters in Montreal, because well, because <laughs> that's the headquarters of uh, of where we are. It's sort of like uh, KSC now getting an orbiter. It's kind of unthinkable. One do, interesting do you... thing, though, is that the place in which the Canada Arms were built is now a museum. Is that right? I believe so, yeah. So that would so, be a natural choice. Right. So do they get it over the Canadian Space Agency's headquarters in Quebec? Good question. That's a very political question. <laughs> <laughs> Not very political. Any political controversy for our Canadian listeners, but 
<laughs> well, uh, you know, we're not we're not immune to that, but uh, you know, there there are other considerations as well. I mean, um, one thing about Canada is we're always trying to balance the uh, the anglophone and the francophone uh, interests here. Um, I don't mean to put it in such blunt terms, but uh, you know, there are certain. Uh, considerations that are awarded to Quebec, you know, in recognition that uh, some would say that it's a, a distinct society. So it's quite possible that um, for that reason alone, they would try and make sure that Montreal least gets one, and then uh, maybe other cities would be able to get uh, the other Canadars. The only problem is, is that I believe they're only giving away the one on Endeavour. Yeah, that's going to be ugly. <laughs> I'm not even sure how we're going to do it because uh, our parliament isn't even sitting right now. We're in election again. So uh, once that's all determined, um, it's just interesting in Canada because it seems that in between the times when Canadians actually fly on shuttles, we forget about aerospace, we forget about space. And uh, it's sad because a lot of stuff does go on on the space station, including Canadian experiments, and it seems that uh, there isn't all that much attention paid to it. So it makes it difficult when a situation like this comes up because people don't have the uh, the history or the background to really pressure the, the right people for the right decision, I suppose. And, uh, you know, the engineers are going to try and do their best, I I would guess, to uh, to get it where they want it to be. But it's very hard for, uh, you know, say, a, a politician to make a decision about this because uh, they don't have the interest groups even that uh, the United States does. So it's just going to be interesting. I wonder if it's going to be one of those things where the government just comes out and makes a decision and there isn't really much say in it, which does happen every so often. What are your so, guys' thoughts? You're Americans. Well, you've got the experience now going through this process. Any advice for us Canadians to uh, <laughs> avoid the same problems that you're going through now? Oh, far be it for me to go ahead and do this after we, we seem to have gotten this all wrong, according to a lot of people. Um, I, as, as Sawyer pointed out, um, the place where the arm, the arm was constructed is now a museum, no? Yes. So that would be, to me, a logical choice to, to bring the arm. Um, I'm going under the pretext that the uh, the visitorship for this particular museum is there, and that it does get a pretty good uh, it does have a pretty good following. You'll have to forgive me; I'm not really up on 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 the site, but I'm going under the pretext that it does, and it 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 would you know have that have the uh, the visitorship that would support such a decision. Yeah, I would think so as well. I'm not really up on the, the situation either, unfortunately. Um, I try and be up on Canadian space matters, but I just haven't got that far west yet. So, <laughs> but it, to me, it would be a logical choice. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I mean that that would that would be my first one anyway. Can uh, can I throw in something I just found that I I think is interesting? Sure. Uh, we're talking about Canadarm, uh, Canadarm two, which is on the ISS on April nineteenth, coming up in just a couple of days as we record this. Canadarm two is going to be celebrating its tenth anniversary. Uh, oh, Canadarm2 Canadarm2 is installed on the ISS by Chris Hadfield, the first Canadian to walk in space, and uh, he is also set to be the commander of Expedition. Uh, he's going to be part of Expedition 3435, but uh, his mission to the ISS starts in December of 2012. So, um, you I, know, I'd forgotten about that, Gene. And uh, if I can digress for a second, I watched that spacewalk live. There are actually uh, two or three of them. Um, I can't remember right now exactly how many. But interesting thing was during the last one, um, 
NASA actually played the uh, the national anthem of Canada in space, and that had never been done, as far as I can remember, for any other country, including the United States, which is rather unusual. So as you could think, and the neat thing was um, Scott Parazinski uh, was uh, doing an EVA along with Chris Hadfield when they were playing the anthem, and they were joking with him that he was the honorary Canadian. And uh, I actually did an interview, seriously, I actually did an interview with them about, uh, oh, it, it was just after he repaired that solar panel. So I guess it must have been 2008, early 2008 when I talked to him. And I said, does anybody still call you the honorary Canadian? And he just started laughing, and he said, how do you remember that? <laughs> I said, well, how could I... I said, how could I not? Like, it was just such a very, very funny phrase to use. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. But yeah, I mean, uh, again, uh, he's going to go into a bit of space station history as the first Canadian to serve as, uh, as commander of the ISS. Right, Mark? That's right. Coming up. Yep. It's uh, it's quite interesting. You know, we, we have all of our astronauts are superstars. Don't get me wrong, but uh, Chris Hadfield has seen from the very beginning one of those guys at NASA fast track to be at the top. You know, he flew the uh, the CF-18s here uh, here in Canada, and then just weeks after he was named astronaut, he along with Mark Arnault, who had been there for eight years, yeah. Mark Arnault had been an astronaut for eight years at this point. Um, Chris Hadfield had practically been an astronaut for thirty. They both went to Johnson Space Center for mission specialist training at the same time. And then, uh, yeah, so you, you can see how highly regarded he was already. Yeah. And uh, he's already been on, again, it's, sorry, it's getting late at night over here, so I'm just trying to remember, two or three <laughs> space flights already. And that's in a much shorter time than uh, some of the other astronauts from Canada um, who have had a career similar to him. So, uh, And plus, he's been... Uh, the uh, the Capcom for uh, the shuttle many many times and uh, he's had that special training to go into Russia so he's going to be following in Bob Thursk's footsteps in that sense and Thursk has been around a lot longer than he has too so uh, he's a lot younger than uh, the other ones who have done similar things so uh, quite an interesting person for Sadfield just a, a, a one other thing to wrap all of this up uh, with reference to the shuttle decision uh, when Charlie Bolden uh, made the announcement. Uh, it was at the Kennedy Space Center, and again, I'd, since you know we knew, uh, I didn't think he was going to be going down there to deliver uh, bad news to to the KSC faithful. But he he urged the the, the seemed like the the theme of the talk was was to stay focused, to to tell the team down there, we have two more to go. You know, stay focused on 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 the on the task ahead. Um, but he also said after the announcement after he he had had made the you know the, the big deal of saying that uh, you know the, each one of these orders were going to go where they were going to go um, he said the following i want to congratulate all of these fine institutions and wish them many visitors and exciting programs with the space shuttle fleet for all of them take good care of our vehicles they've served the nation well and we at nasa have a deep and abiding relationship and love affair with them that's hard to put into words to the folks that to the host cities that are going to get an orbiter uh, please keep that in mind treat them as the national treasures that they are and display them with pride and i think things are going to be okay any comments on anything that we talked about tonight in regards to the space shuttle decision 
I hope that somebody makes a record of how this all went down. That way, the next time a similar situation comes up, we can learn from what uh, happened this time. I'm saying we, and I'm a Canadian. I'm very conscious of that. But, you know, <laughs> you know, you, even, even other countries can learn from this experience. I hope we have an opportunity to do that with the next vehicle. We don't even know what that's going to be yet. Uh, so I'm I'm hoping that that we do have an opportunity to go through this exercise again. That means we're going to have another vehicle to go ahead and 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 sort of give away. You know, I'd be interested also in going back to uh, how they allocated where the Apollo vehicles went, because it's interesting that say one of them is displayed overseas in London, and uh, yeah. just how each one of them went to the separate centers. Because I remember. Um, I go back to Apollo 7 because that's the one I'm, I'm most familiar with. It was right in my town, but it ended up going to the uh, the Frontiers of Flight um, Museum, which is in, um, I'm hoping I get this right, I think it's Dallas. Let me just quickly do Google that. A story that I'm being a space cadet, uh, pardon the expression, I'm just on three hours of sleep here right now. Okay, the Frontiers <laughs> of Flight you. Museum in, uh, yeah, in, uh, in Dallas, I was right. So anyway, um, the point being, um, there was actually a dispute between... Wally Shira, and I believe it was Walter Cunningham, if I'm correct, because each one of them sat on different museum boards, and each one of them wanted that <laughs> spacecraft because they had been on that spacecraft to be there. So um, I don't know how exactly it got into uh, into Dallas. There's probably a reasoning behind there, you know, criteria that were chosen. But uh, I would be interested to know exactly how they allocated all the Gemini's, all the Mercury's, all the Apollos, the uh, the space labs. We need to sort of go back through all those processes and see just exactly how that was done and whether there was something that could have been uh, a little bit uh, better applied to how the shuttles were uh, were allocated. I can tell you a little story about Apollo 14 uh, where the, the, its command module, it, it's, it's where it was because Alan Shepard wanted it. He was the... At the time, I believe he was the uh, uh, the founder of the uh, Astronaut uh, Scholarship Foundation and uh, and the Astronaut Hall of Fame, which is connected with that. And he wanted his spacecraft displayed there, and he fought okay. tooth and nail to get it. And eventually, NASA released released it to the uh, uh, the uh, the Astronaut Hall of Fame, and uh, it stayed there for the longest time. Um, you know, a little bit after uh, Alan Shepard's passing, and uh, then was moved to uh, the uh, the Kennedy Space Center Saturn V exhibit. But yeah, it would be it would be a neat thing to 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 do some research and try to see why the, the Apollo spacecrafts or even the Gemini and Mercury ones went where they. I think we might end this one on a funny note because I was just reading over one of the comments again from Scott on our Facebook page. Okay. And he had a great idea of how to deliver the shuttles because uh, obviously that's going to be a difficult thing is trying to, you know, for example, get the shuttle through L.A. traffic and everything. But in terms of getting Enterprise <laughs> to New York, he put up a really great idea. He said, put the shuttle on top of the 747 and have Captain Sully Sullenberger fly it into the Hudson River. <laughs> no. oh, good Lord, ouch. Oh, ouch. For those who don't remember, Captain Sully Sullenberger was the one who two years ago landed a plane which had a dual engine blowout in the Hudson River and saved the lives of all the passengers. Ouch. Oh, man. And a fine piece of flying that was. 
Indeed. I just found that hysterical and <laughs> an appropriate way to end. Speaking of funny, Mark, you have something to go ahead and add from from a little bit of a, an April Fool's joke that we didn't get to because we were just so much news was happening. But I'm going to let you have the have the forum because this was pretty good. Well, actually, it's probably just as well we didn't get to it on a previous show, and uh, this indicates how gullible I can be at times. But um, <laughs> let me uh, let me give you the headline first. And this is from uh, the Herschel Space Observatory from one of their pages. And it says, Herschel to be refilled with helium. And it refers to the Herschel. Uh, the Herschel Project scientist has announced the results of a recent study carried out by industrial partners. They've confirmed it's technically feasible and affordable to refill Herschel's chirostat with helium, allowing the mission to be extended. And uh, I lose track of what satellites, uh, what what experiments cover cover what function. But uh, Herschel is the ESA cutting-edge space observatory. Uh, it has a powerful infrared telescope. It's in space and doing great science. But uh, anyway, it goes on. There's even a graphic of the International Space Station with Herschel docked at uh, one of the nodes and. Well, I forgot about it, so I went back to look at it this evening, and here in red print on the top of the page, it says, please notice that this story was issued on 1 April 2011, which is April Fool's Day. And at the bottom, it says, sadly, Herschel does not carry enough fuel to travel to low Earth orbit and return to L2 and is incapable of docking to the International Space Station. So, um, yeah, the joke's on me. (laughs) <laughs> I won't tell us all, Mark. I, I took that one hook, line, and sinker. I wanted to talk about it in the worst way. We just had too many things we were covering. And, uh, and there it went. Oh. oh, man, that was good. Well, thank you for sharing that story with us still. I guess, uh, I guess this is probably one of those things that I'll be remembered for. <laughs> Helium I, man. <laughs> oh, now you got a new nickname, Mark. What? What was that? Helium man. Helium man. Now, if I just had a helium balloon, I could draw some helium out of and give you the Donald Duck squeaky voice. That would be the uh, the ultimate ending. But sorry, no helium here. Yeah, for, first, it, first it was the three-headed space monster. Now it's now it's helium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a close call too. Boy, how times have changed. Stay tuned. Yep. Er. Who knows what your next nickname will be? Yep. Just one more note. Uh, speaking of the shuttles, we do have uh, on April nineteenth, which was supposed to be Endeavor's launch date, um, the flight readiness review that's coming up. So. Uh, you know, keep your eyes and uh, peeled for for information on on that, and I'm sure we'll be we'll be talking about that next week. Yep, and there's a possibility of some fun things coming up with STS-134, but as things progress, we'll let you know more about that. So with that, I'd like to thank everybody here for joining us. So thank you for joining us, Gene McCulka. 
Thank you, Sawyer. And uh, I want to say also thank you to everybody that took the time to uh, leave their opinions about the uh, the shuttles. I know there there are a lot of varied opinions out there as far as where they're supposed to go. We might have stepped on on some toes tonight, and I do. If we did, you know, I'm, I apologize. But uh, um, again, thank you so much to, for the folks that uh, uh, that took the time to uh, to write to us. I appreciate it. Indeed. Thank you as well, Mark Ratterman. And the important thing is we still do have Enterprise, Discovery, Atlantis, and Endeavor. And uh, they'll be in locations where anybody that wants to see them that can make the trip will be able to. And it'll be well worth the, the time and money, I know. Oh, yeah. You know there's going to be a lot of people making trips around the U.S. to go see them. And thank you as well for joining us, Elizabeth Howell. Thank you, and uh, you know I'm looking forward to wherever these shuttles do end up, exactly how they're going to be displayed. Just uh, being able to walk into whatever museum that they happen to be in and looking up at them and thinking, "Wow, those guys were in space over and over and over again for decades." You know, it's just that's just the weirdest feeling standing beside a flown piece of hardware like that. So I look forward to seeing them. You can also check her out on the Ottawa Business Journal, writing articles for them, and that's obj.ca is their website. And you can also check out her website, which is parsec, P-A-R-S-3-C.com. And you know that you can also get in contact with us with your opinions on any of our many ways. You can contact us by email by sending it to mailbag at Talking Space Online. You can leave us a post on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Talking Space. And you can also leave us an at reply on our Twitter account, which is twitter.com slash talking space. So with that, I'd like to thank everybody for joining us. Thank you for listening. And as always, have a great day, night, evening, or whatever it may be, where you are.